I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Retrofitting for Spiritual Earthquakes Have you ever experienced a tembler, felt a proverbial or literal earth-shaking event underneath you? I've lived in California since 1987. I experienced my first earthquake on the eighth floor of a hotel room. It was my husband's first day in California. At first, we thought someone was breaking into our room from the balcony. We quickly realized what was happening, though, and began running down the stairs. Not exactly the welcoming we uninformed Texans were looking for. I wish I could boast that literal and spiritual tamblers never throw me for a loop. But honestly, my terrain is full of fault lines. My foundation needs work. It needs continual retrofitting. You might be wondering what retrofitting is. It's the modification of an existing structure to make it resistant to seismic activity, ground motion, or soil failure. Here in California, builders must honor retrofitting requirements for both new and existing structures. Strict seismic codes must be adhered to in most commercial and residential spaces. In life, we too experience major seismic events. A diagnosis, death, divorce, or financial disaster may strike at any time. If we adequately prepare our foundations in advance, they will be better able to withstand challenges and threats to their integrity. Jesus offered up a beautiful parable to illustrate this in Matthew 7, about laying a solid foundation and the inherent dangers of building on a poor one. Some modern-day examples of foundations we might be choosing instead of the one on our rock, our Father God, include bank accounts, inheritance, imagined job security, or even your family. Those aforementioned things are important aspects that enrich our daily life, but we can't rely on them the way we rely on God. He alone provides our firm foundation. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, we read, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In his parable, Jesus relays how a house built on a rock withstood powerful streams of water that might otherwise have destroyed it. If you build your foundation on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, you too can withstand any potential storm or fierce tremor. You can stand in the face of any grief or loss. And even if your earthly life or its structure crumbles before your very eyes, God promises you will never lose your eternal firm foundation. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 18, that even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church built on the rock of Jesus. God created the blueprints. In Hebrews 1, 10, we read, The Lord laid the foundation of earth since the beginning. And in Psalm 139, 13, we read that we were knitted together in our mother's womb. And our foundations are both laid on, in, and through the hands of God himself. What a powerful image that conjures up when we really stop to ponder it. You might be wondering how you can retrofit your foundation. You can do it by erecting a spiritual scaffolding using two-by-fours from God's holy word. You can enlist the help of fellow Christians to provide an encouraging word, a virtual hug, or a FaceTime gathering, and if you are feeling truly paralyzed, you can reach out to your friends and they can help lift you up out of the pit 
and heal your emotional paralysis by loving you like Jesus with skin on. In Ecclesiastes 4.10, we read this insightful truth. Two men are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I'm here to encourage you to reach out to the Christian friends you know and love for the kind of help you need when you need it. Don't let your pride or insecurity stand in the way. We are facing challenging times, and it's more than okay to admit we need each other, and it's even more than okay to admit we're not okay. I'm so very grateful for the many people who have come into my life and continue to pour into me as I face my many challenges and hurdles. They are so faithful in reminding me of God's promises, His faithfulness, and His abiding love. We really do need each other, especially when we experience tremblers or paralysis. Join me in authentically asking God to help us shore up our fragile foundations. And I'd like to share an excerpt from my new book, The Vault Door, Lessons from God's Creatures, The Serpent. Eve's temptation to eat the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3 began innocently enough, at least to her untrained eye. He asks her a probing question about God's single and only commandment, opening up what he hopes to be a dialogue on the possibilities of what he cleverly set up to appear like a technicality. Eve won't really die if she eats the fruit of the tree. These kinds of half-truths lie at the hallmark of Satan's deceptions. He wants nothing more than to minimize any potential wrongdoing you are considering in the hopes that you will too. Once Eve and Adam have taken the infamous bites out of the pieces of forbidden fruit, consequences are levied. After Eve blames the serpent for deceiving her, God says the snake is to be cursed above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. When he says, on your belly you shall go, God is implying that the serpent may have had limbs to travel in an upright manner prior to the garden encounter. God goes on to describe the consequences to Satan himself, saying that his head will be bruised, but only Jesus' heel will be bruised, implying that both sides will incur a cost, but Jesus will emerge the victor. It might be tempting to think that the serpent is an innocent victim in Satan's plan if he entered into the unwitting animal. However, we cannot begin to understand the mind of God. We do know that in Genesis 1.26, God says his plan for man was to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. There is a certain irony that one of the creatures man supposedly had dominion over proves to be an integral part of his downfall. We can learn much from that fatal garden scene. We see that the act of blaming is a time-honored component in every man's flee from accountability. Adam blamed Eve while Eve blamed the serpent. We also see from the way God dealt with the serpent that his actions have a cost. Anyone or anything involved in leading another down a path of wrongdoing pays a price, from the creature to Satan himself. When we are instrumental in causing a believer or an unbeliever to stumble into sin, we are accountable as well for what happened to that person. Even today, the snake remains greatly reviled, doesn't it? And as Christians, while we know Satan has a foothold in this world, we can rest assured that the heel that was crushed rose to heaven to be reunited with his father. 
The day is coming when Jesus Christ will return in all his glory. No doubt the serpent will be among all the creatures on the earth and under the earth, referred to in Revelation 5.13, who will say to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Our sovereign Lord triumphs over all in the end. And the keys to kingdom living are remain on guard for temptation's origins and subtleties. And the doorpost is guard your heart, the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23 Thank you for tuning in today to His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her first two books in her Planned Door Devotion Trilogy are available on Amazon. Her bi-monthly blogs can be found at cindyyorks.com.